this new podcast in the world. From WWE to DNA Impact. By way of the NWA, it's time for Reffing It Up. With legendary referee Brian Hebner. An all new episode starts in... This, this is Reffing It Up. Welcome back to Reffing It Up with Brian Hebner. I am the man with the magical voice, RJ. He is the man in the stripes himself, Mr. Brian Hebner. Brian, what's up, man? Boy, boy, not a whole lot, man. A lot to talk about in the world of wrestling. And uh, I am very, very excited about this episode to talk to Mr. D'Lo Brown, um, a very, very dear heart, a friend of myself and uh, a buddy of mine. So uh, I'm ready, man. Let's uh, let's 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 get going, man. This is gonna be exciting. All right, without further ado, let's send it up to the first count and let's get the show on the road. The scuttlebutt this past week, Brian, has been pretty much the whole shtick with AEW and the whole backstage issues that Tony's been having with this talent. You know, you had CM Punk making these comments about uh, uh, Hangman Page. Uh, rumor and innuendo has it the talent's so upset over all this that they're thinking about leaving. Um, whether they're gonna, I doubt they'll breach the contracts by ain't by all cases, but, um, obviously it's something that's been out there for the better part of quite a few moments, but what did you think about it when you saw the news coming down the, the pipeline? I'm, I'm not surprised, man. Um, really I'm not, you know, you, you, you can't have the boys run the roost. Mm-hmm. And that's in essence what's happening with no ramifications to, to be paid for. And, and, and I've seen this before in other companies that I've actually worked for. Um, listen, CM Punk went into business for himself. Uh, he had some issue with what happened previously and decided to say what he wanted to say off the cuff. That was not part of the actual script or promo. Um, for me, the worst thing about it all is, is that, it just makes um, uh, just doesn't make the other guys look good. You know what I mean? Uh, Hangman, you know, appearance at all on the ramp or something would have been cool. Uh, or, um, but you know, here's the thing. You know, and people say that too. Uh, you know, how do you know he wasn't in the middle of changing? You know, what I mean, or in the bathroom or something? I mean, how do you know? Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he wasn't expecting it. So, but it'd been cool had there been some kind of you know, something there for him um, because right now it looks like he's pretty much like, you know, like a, kind of like a tool bag, you know what I mean? Like, okay, well, what's he do? Uh, so, you know, and CM Punk went to business for himself and guess what? Who's, who's he got to answer to? Nobody. Right. Well, and, and the thing is though, too, you have a lot of these, you know, the so-called you know, experts out there saying, Oh, well, so-and-so is going to leave because of this. And so-and-so is going to leave because of that. I'm like, well, but the thing is though, with AEW, I think it's a lot to me anyways. Obviously, being an outsider, I don't know for sure. But from what I, I'm guessing is there's a lot of egos there and so many, you know, so much patience to put up with all the egos. I know I couldn't do it if I was in charge of it, uh, an organization like that. Uh, maybe maybe that's something we could talk to deal about because he's up there with impact. So, uh but yeah, man, I just, you see a lot of this talent that have been up north to WWE come down. You know, you got guys uh, really 
They're gonna. I think they're be. It's gonna get worse before it gets better. To be honest with you. It's, I mean, it's not going to get better because, I mean, here's the problem. I don't know how many talents they have signed, but I can just tell you this. When I was there for the short period of time I was there, I have never seen so much talent walking around backstage in my life. I mean, people were freaking everywhere. I've, I mean, it, it was unbelievable. You cannot possibly have that many toys. Um, and that's what they are for Tony. These are just toys, man. And he's getting all the toys he wants and every toys and he's, and he's, and he's playing and it's hard to write people in storylines. I mean, you know, in, in my opinion, there's so many guys that are from the WWE that are there that I, I don't agree with the way they're being used. And I understand why they're being upset and why they're, you know, bitching and moaning. Um, you know, just the other night, I think it was last week, you know, I was sitting around and one of my buddies was with me watching the show. And, uh, you know, I pointed out there was not one original, AEW talent on that show in the first 40 minutes. It was all ex WWE yeah. guy, yeah. except for one, and I believe that was Darby Allen. Yeah. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I, and I may be wrong with that, but I know there was one. I, I, I feel like it was Darby, but anyway. Um, so I mean, so you got those guys in the back that are AEW originals, probably bitching and moaning. Well, I'm not TV, and they're, they're you know the, all the WWE guys are hogging the time, and then you got the WWE guys that still are not getting time, and some are, and then it's just a mess, man. It's a mess. He's got a mess, and he's, I don't know how he's going to figure it out. Well, you also got to take into account, too, that he has all that ROH talent, too, at his disposal. And it's like you can only have so many shows, uh, whether it be, you know, Rampage or Dynamite on network TV. And then you have your YouTube series. And it's just like you can only book so many people so many times. It's it, uh, a convoluted mess. It is, yeah. you know, and like you said, these Ring of Honor guys, you have his AEW guys. He's got the WWE guys coming in. He's got all these indie guys that come in to do this dark or dark elevator. I can't even keep up with it, man, to be honest yeah. with you. Um, I, I just I just don't get it. Um, he, he kind of probably needs to re, re, reboot, man, you know, to me. I think he needs to get rid of some people that he's not using, let them make some money elsewhere, um, and, and really get a tight niche on his program or programming, I should say. You know, and I'm no pro. I'm not trying to tell Tony what to do, and I'm not trying to tell him how to do it. Sure. I'm just, it was me. It's almost like, all right, we're in a recession. Now let's get everybody back to work that is working. And if they're not working, then we need to fit, let them figure out another job that they can do to make more money. I mean, listen, there's options out there. We got NWA. We have uh, Impact Wrestling. There's WWE now um, that's welcoming people back and welcoming people in. Um, I mean, there's other options now. So it's not like there's only one or two anymore. I mean, there's, there's some, you know, major major options out there. And I'm sure there's something on the sidelines. I'm sure like that wouldn't mind be like, all right, just let me go. Let me go figure out what I can do. Cause I'm not doing nothing here. Yeah. You know, somebody else that's on the sidelines that is recent that I I'm sure for a fact will be scooped up so much sooner rather than later is a good per close personal friend of both of us. Uh, Jeff Jarrett uh, departed his roles from WWE this past week. And, uh, Road Dog stepped into the same role. I believe it was the uh, VP of live events uh, for WWE. Um, you know, a lot of scuttlebutt's going around again, Brian, about this. is like, oh, uh, he, he's departing WWE. He must be starting his own promotion. He must be doing this with Counter or that with Counter. I'm like, you know, ease up on the brakes a little bit there, Chief. Come on, give him some freaking time. I know he's got a lot of irons in the fire, but Christ, man, just don't put too many irons in the fire for him. Oh, you didn't know? Yeah. Apparently well, he did. <laughs> I, 
I, I knew as well. I mean, come on, man. The biggest buddy boy system in the business. Seriously, straight up. Anybody didn't think Road Dog was coming back, they're out of their minds. Um, that was that was foreshadowed before Vince retired. Um, mm-hmm. but give me a break. Um, you know what though? I honestly I think, you know, to me, I, I I'm not talking for him, I'm thinking for him. I don't think Jeff Jarrett gives two shits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's got so much on his plate and so much stuff that's keeping him busy. I don't think he cared and probably didn't want him to be in that bullshit anyway. Yeah. Um and um, you know, and, and I'm I'm really thinking he feels that way. Uh I don't know that, but I mean I'm just saying. Um it, it, it's just too weird to me how that worked out. It's too weird how Jeff Jarrett's out and Road Dog's in. I mean, give me a break. Congratulations, mm-hmm. Road Dog. Um, and probably congratulations, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Shit. Well, and, and, and but it's something it was kind of ironic. And when I, I sent you the articles from Pro Wrestling Insider when they dropped, I believe it was yesterday or uh, or over the weekend. But uh, it was just just the timing of it. And I just waited to give it see how much steam that it, you know, it picked up because obviously, you know, our go to's for me anyways have been Pro Wrestling Insider and Wrestling Inc. If it comes out on there. Okay, it's legit. If it comes out on the secondary, okay, you got to kind of take it with a grain of salt. But well, what, was my, what was my response to you when you sent it to me? Do you remember which one? The Jeff Jarrett or Road yeah, Dog? Jeff Jarrett. Oh, no, I don't no, remember the Road Dog. When you said Road Dog got hired, I said, "Oh, he's Triple H's I, boy or something, right?" I said, "I am not shocked. That is his right. boy. Was going to happen." Well, right too, and also another side of that too is like we 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 see. Obviously, with Billy there in AEW now, he's being kind of broken apart from his sons there. They just did that angle this past week where he's got he's not associated with them anymore. I honestly see them, you know, reaching out to Billy and getting him to come in and coach for them down in like NXT or up with WWE main roster. I wouldn't be surprised at that either, man. I really wouldn't. But I would also I'd be more surprised at that one just for the simple fact of him leaving his sons, because, I mean, I, you know, it's. Their, their father. I mean, that, and sure. as a father, that's that's always a a dream to watch your boys grow and get into the business and stuff like that. Yeah, but it'll be interesting to see what what transpires here with Jeff, a guy that we're going to be seeing in a matter of probably just just over a week's time there in Chicago. He'll be there for uh, Top Guy Weekend for Conrad stuff, and then we'll be there for the showcase as well there in Chicago. Um, so it'll be definitely be interesting to sit down and chat with him a little bit and uh, pick his brain a little bit. Now, now, the, the the one more thing I want to touch on, you know, the thing about the uh, the rumors and innuendos about the uh, Jeff Jarrett starting his own promotion or something like that. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, didn't didn't Comrade copyright something? Well, he trademarked Southwest Championship Wrestling, which was an old promotion out of, uh, I believe, the Texas state of Texas. I I believe it's San Antonio. It was out of. So why do you think that might be? I'm- <laughs> No, I, I get that. And I just, I think, like I said, this is purely speculation. I have no insider information whatsoever. And even if I did, I wouldn't tell anybody anyways. But my speculation would be is they're going to test the water again because they had success with Ric Flair's last match, that pay-per-view. It may not be like a weekly thing. It may just be a monthly thing. As far as, hey, we're going to run once a month. Bing, bing, bing. We're going to pick the venues. And then he has to trademark, obviously, before he does it. But I, I wouldn't be surprised anything. Like you've always said, Brian, never say never in wrestling. Not at all. And I mean, uh, 
this is a great timing. I mean, great timing as far as when to pick a time to do something like this. So, I, yeah. you know, hey, I, I, like I said, I don't think Jeff's too terribly upset about the situation and how it went down because I think, like I said, he's always, he's always working, man. Always working. Yeah, no uh, doubt. All, 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 I, all I would have to say, and we'll, we'll move on to the second count and talk a little D'Lo Brown in a second, but all I will say is just keep your eyes out. Just keep, just wait. Never say never because you never know what's going to happen. Jeff Jarrett, as you know, very, very smart man in general, not only in business, but just wrestling in general. So, And, he, and, he's, and not only that, he's working with another smart man, Comrade Thompson. I mean, come on. Well, right. It's just like they wouldn't have gotten Conrad's empire wouldn't have gotten this big over the number of years that he's been doing these shows. If he wasn't smart, a smart businessman by far. Don't close your eyes on this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure we'll be talking about it soon. So let's send it up to the second count and get this. Uh, talk some D'Lo Brown. D'Lo Brown began his wrestling career in the state of New Jersey. Probably something that a lot of people didn't realize. Uh, he was tagged the ace or as ace the animal. I That's something that I'm like in my research. I'm like, that is fairly, fairly interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, but he ended up uh, the wrestled earthquake in the WWF in 94 under his given uh, a given name of a job or pretty much. So basically coming in and just doing squash matches, you know, one of those enhancement talents, if you will. Um, but, you know, then he got, uh, went down South a little bit to Smoky Mountain Wrestling uh, as a security guard for the gangsters. So that is definitely something that uh, we can definitely talk to him about. Uh, because Smoky Mountain uh, obviously has been one of those monumental promotions uh, thought up by Jim Cornette, um, who still has yet to respond to that tweet that you put out about Austin Aries. But that's a conversation for another time. Uh, when was the first time that you really started to see anything related to D'Lo Brown? Was it in the early times here in the WWF with your dad or? Well, I, um, I I worked with him for a very short time, right at the beginning of when I started, um, and then he was on Raw, so didn't have a lot of um, interaction with him, but enough. And um, him and my dad were were good friends as well, or or buddies, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, but we really came to fruitation, me and D'Lo, um, when we did uh, work together for Hermie Sadler, uh, which was. Um, tagged and part of TNA impact wrestling at that time. Um, that's when we really became really close. And, uh, you know, that's when the friendship really began to grow between me and D-Lo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause he was given the moniker when he was in uh, smoky mountain is downtown D-Lo Brown, man. That's Love something it. you could get over now. That's a fantastic name. What the hell? Um, but no, he, he obviously he left Smoky Mountain then in 95, made his debut, ending up in WWE's Developmental and Heartland Wrestling Association for training before he really got into the business. Uh, but he was doing a lot of work as far as a jobber and in, uh, in WWE television. Um, so it, it's interesting to kind of see that kind of turn of the coin where you know how big he ended up getting. He started off pretty low as far as going to 
the developmental system. Yeah. Um, what I was really surprised about was that when he finally got to the WWE, he wasn't used very much and was used as a, you know, and I hate saying it because he's, it doesn't equal what D'Lo Brown is, but as a jobber. Yeah. Um, and it just took a while for him to really catch that break and catch eyes, uh, which, you know, that that's really something I really want to ask him about too. Uh, you know, it had to be kind of deflating, I would think. Yeah, because he even went down in 96 before he really got uh, prevalent. Um, the official debut in 97. 96, he ended up going down to Puerto Rico for uh, World Wrestling Council. So he, I think he did it the right way, in my opinion. Puerto Rico was very, very, and still is, very, very popular for professional wrestling. Um, as I'm sure you had, did you go down there when you were with the company, like San Juan? I did not. Yeah, no, okay. I didn't. They must have done that after then, after you left then. Uh, yeah, because I, I, I definitely didn't do that. Yeah. Uh, so he really got, you know, into the limelight there, 97, like I said, when he became uh, part of Farouk's Nation Domination, uh, the heel stable, though, man. I, what was your initial view on the Nation Domination? It was actually incredible. Um, I loved it. Um, I loved everything about it. Um, the song, the, the, the way they carried themselves and came to the ring, it was just a, a, a huge spectacle. I liked it a lot. And it yeah. was the first, for me, for me, it was the first major black stable that I ever remember seeing. Yeah, because, you know, you, like you had um, when he was in Smoky Mountain, they had the gangsters there, uh, but it wasn't to the level that that the nation got. Because if you think about it, and this is something we can also talk to him about too, is just the stars that that stable produced. D'Lo be, being one of them. You had Rock. You had uh, uh, Godfather. You had Farouk. You had Mark Henry. And it was just, maybe that was their initial their initial plan. How they pitched it was saying, hey, this is kind of, hey, we're, you're under the learning tree of Ron Simmons Farouk. Uh, I definitely think that was where they were at and what was going on. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that certainly, but, you know, but that's that's why we're having somebody on here. His name is D'Lo Brown. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah, well, definitely. Well, he's uh, he'll be on very shortly. Uh, and probably usually when I say that, the little alert will alert me. Hey, so-and-so is calling in. All right, then let's go. Um, <laughs> but no, I just think. If, to me, anyways, as the, the young kid that I was, I was, what, 13 and 97 growing up watching this stuff. And it's just like I was I shouldn't say forbidden, but, you know, I found out I watched it eventually. But my parents didn't want me to watch WWF in 97 just because of that, that attitude era. So I'm like, screw it. I'll just end up watching WCW. And then I ended up switching over anyways and watching it. So uh, but that was just. If it wasn't for, you know, I don't think, and, and this may be going out on a limb though. If you didn't, if it wasn't for the nation domination, I don't think we'd have stables, you know, like, like the new day or the Usos uh, or, you know, the bloodline with these guys, because they just transcended that specific time. Well, they did. I mean, they, they were definitely trendsetters. Um, and, you know, what's really ironic about the whole thing is that, you had like that group that you said. Now, it, it, I know we haven't finished going through the history, but wasn't Ahmed Johnson a part of that too? Was that uh, there was a he story was, behind that? Right? Yeah, he was briefly. Uh, let me get down here a little bit. I can actually 
uh, yeah, it was 97 after King of the Ring 97. Farouk ended up um, firing the rest of the nation members except for D'Lo, uh, who later was joined by Ahmed Johnson. And then after that was later replaced by Rocky Maivia. Um, and then he had Kamu Mustafa, which was the godfather. And then Mark Henry. Uh, so I just think the combination of all these guys were good. And even the combination that you could have the tag team of any one of these guys, you know, it's kind of like those free bird kind of rules kind of thing. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I found it really cool too, going through the uh, show notes that you had uh, presented me with, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that, that huge feud he had with the X-Pop uh, or X-Pop, should I say, yeah, back yeah. in 1998 over the European championship. I mean, that was when to me, uh, I felt like his career had peaked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, really started to find his niche. Um, and then w- reading through the, the notes as well, he was also the Intercontinental Champion simultaneously during that time. Yeah. And, he, and you had the, the noted that this feat was only done by Jeff Jarrett, Kurt Angle, and Rob Van Dam. Right. And that, and, that, and that was even later after this, too. So it's like right. every and, and I love Kurt Angle. He's one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. You know that. You know him very well. Um, Dilo Brown was the first Euro continental champion before Angle was, so maybe there's a feather in his cap that he can, uh, you know, push a little towards the limelight there. One up on Kurt. There, well, there you go. You got, you got to get those, you got to get those one ups every once in a while. Um, but yeah, it was just the feuds that they had. It was just because in 97, 98 WWF. The business was so, so hot, kind of very similar, uh, similar to what it is today, but not to that magnitude, obviously, but very similar to it because you had, you know, DX and the nation going at it. You also had, don't forget, you had Los Bariquas there that the, uh, with Savio Vega after he was out of the nation here and he was even part of the nation too, was Savio Vega. Here's what was interesting too, if you think about it. So, the times were so hot and these groups were so hot that you would see on the marquee in San Antonio, you would see DX versus the nation. Well, then you would see in San Francisco, that same card DX versus the nation. Well, that's because you didn't know which part of DX and which part of the nation were going to be at which building. You know what yeah. I mean? So they could yeah. still loop it like that, which was absolutely phenomenal because you may have Sean and Hunter in one and Billy Gunn and road dog at the other. Yeah. You may have, you know what I mean? And that's what they were doing. And it was, it, it was awesome. It really was. But when they, I've been to shows where they were all together. And yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. The, the response from fans. Now, were you backstage at that time? When you, did you travel with your dad a little bit here in 97, 98 or no? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I remember many, many house shows watching. And uh, I'm telling you, uh, those, those days are gone. Um, people can think and say what they want about now comparative to them, but they, they, it's not the same. Not at all. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not bad at all. Don't get me wrong now, but it was just magnificent, magical back then. Well, but it goes to show you how, how times have changed to the point where you could have factions being totally different, different parts of the area and, and they're getting over. It doesn't matter what part of the faction is there. You know, like you said, Hunter and um, Sean could be in one and so-and-so be in another. But did you really ever think 
that D'Lo should have gotten a heavyweight title run. I, I, I know it's probably at this time, if he was came in a little bit later or came in a little bit early, it might have worked better. But do you think he could have been factored into the heavyweight title run here? I, I think he could have and should have. Um, but I think it was just wrong time, wrong place at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is when Stone Cold did his major his major flip, um, you know, Austin 316. Uh, this is when Rocky Maivia went to The Rock, um, you know, and it, you still had your Shawn Michaels, your Undertakers. Kind of hard to take a, you know, a long-reigning intercontinental European champion and, and take them past those guys or mm-hmm. even put them with those guys. Yeah. Um, just kind of tough. Do you think he needed it, though? I, I don't. I think that uh, I actually remember D'Lo as the European champion. I, I really sure. do. Yeah. Um, his, his Intercontinental Championship run, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember much about it. I really don't. I remember all of the European run. Yeah. Well, but it, it, he brought legitimacy back to that title, you know, because when they introduced it there earlier previous to this, when they had, you know, they had Bulldog and Owen go over with it. It was kind of that, you know... <laughs> that stepping stone to the IC title and the IC title is basically that quote unquote working title to get you to the heavyweight title, you know, something, yeah, I, that, I, something I, that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. It's just something that you don't see a lot of nowadays because, okay, it's the IC title. Okay. It's just a title. You know, it doesn't mean anything like it did back here. Well, I, I, would, I would say he made the European championship a, a, a vital championship again. I, I think he's the one that did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's that's just my opinion. I mean, because I really can't think because I'm just I was doing it all day today. I mean, who else do you think of as a European champion and brought it to that level? I mean, who else was it? I mean, you know, I, I don't know. It's just one of those. I I legitimately the only when you say okay, fig, hey, give me you know three European champions. I, I obviously I go right straight to D'Lo. I think Bulldog and I think um, uh, really Regal. So you yeah. named two that, that that I couldn't think of today. Yeah, I, I thought of D'Lo. I thought of uh, X Pac. Yeah, uh, and then I also thought of uh, Jeff. Oh, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, with with Jeff, it's just like I, I, I think of his work. I always, you know, pictured him with his run there. We we talked about him earlier this year. Um, his run there with with Razor for the IC title when he was, and then with, and then later on when he you know, went over to WCW, but, but yeah, it's just interesting to see how, you know, how a a man makes a title or a woman, whatever makes a title. And that really is what the case was here with deal with the European title, because that's something that, you know, he got over. Right. Right. No, I agree. Now to, to answer your question about, you know, that, and, and I don't answer it, but I'm saying I'm going back to it about the world title. Um, I think that maybe in 2003, when he joined uh, NWA, uh, it had that feud with AJ Styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I believe they could have done something there with him. I do. Uh, it wouldn't have hurt AJ at all because, right. the, you know, Diva was a hot, you know, was a hot commodity at that point in time too. Yeah, because he, uh, he he would occasionally come back and leave and go overseas and whatnot too. So you know he wasn't you know legitimately. I don't think he was signed like 
you know, strictly to TNA. Um, you know, he could obviously go elsewhere, but yeah, I just think I, I kind of agree with along the lines of same with you. And maybe that was the hangup. Maybe it wasn't because he was signed to a long-term deal or a, a deal exclusively with TNA at that time. Yeah. But you know, that was, um, it was 2003. Um, and it's just, do you think with him going to TNA in 03, do you, do you think that that was just kind of revitalizing his career? I do. I, um, I can tell you right now, um, and, and I think he'll tell you later if we get into this portion of it. But, uh, you know, it, 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 kind of like me, you, you, when, you, when you lose your job, and, and that was your lifelong, like, uh, lifelong goal, um, you go through some, you know, go through some times, man, where it's tough, uh, where you don't understand life and you don't understand why. Um, and I think that might have been a reason why he was going through – well, I think for a fact I know that he was going through those things. And I think, yes, I think that TNA helped revitalize him being on a – another big stage again and being appreciated. And I think he really enjoyed his overseas work. And I, yes, I do think this is what revitalized Dilo Brown as far as a character and a wrestler. Now, when you first got in to um, the TNA, was he one of the first people that you saw there or did he, was he there? Or did he come in later after you got there in, uh, you know, mid 2000 there or mid 2000, excuse me. He was there when I got there, um, and then he left, um, and then he came back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so um, there's some other stuff I want to get into, but I don't want to do it till he gets on. Uh, but, but no, he was there when I got there. Obviously, we were we we picked up where we left off, and um, he left. And um, actually, basically, to be honest with you, and I don't know if D'Lo will remember this, but um, I actually tried and helped get his job back uh, when he came back. So. Um, I was a big advocate of getting him back there, and uh, he did. You talk, you talking the second time he came back? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because that was pop. That was about two thousand eight, I believe. If my yeah, yeah, that's when he came back as an agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Late two thousand. Yeah, no, it was early two thousand nine. Excuse me, because he got released again. Because he ended up going back to WWE, did some dark matches and stuff in two thousand eight, yes. and then um, you know left and did some work elsewhere in 2009 but um what you know what's something and this is something we get into as well later on when he gets hops on with us but um what is something that you similarities and differences that you see between D'Lo Brown the talent in ring talent and D'Lo Brown the uh coach agent what have you producer whatever you want to call it um when the red light cuts on for character D'Lo Brown, um, I'll be honest, I've, I've never seen it like it. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, it is night and day. It is not the same guy that I was just talking to in the back before he went out. Um, the way he handles his character and the way he knows how to suck in people or make people hate him is unbelievable. Um, and I've, I've, I've seen him coach it and I've seen him do it. And that's that's what is really wild to see someone do a craft such as him do his thing. Um, and when he's backstage, he's a very nice, sweet, caring, um, one of the most easiest people I've ever had to talk to in my life as far as talking about wrestling, my life, problems, other people's things. Um, just a great guy. But when the light turns on, D'Lo Brown is, you better recognize. And uh, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. 
Yeah, no doubt. Howdy, folks. Double J here. That's right. That's J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T. That's Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Tune in here to Reffin' It Up with my pals, RJ and Brian Hebner. It's really a great podcast. Tune in every Wednesday morning when it drops. Check them out on social media. Subscribe to the podcast. And, man, this episode is a good one. I listen to it every week. Stay tuned, guys. Reffin' It Up with RJ and Brian. 2009 there, Brian, he ended up making his Ring of Honor debut at Proving Ground 2009 in February. Uh, he was defeated by the uh, ROH champion at the time, Nigel Linguinis. Uh, he then wrestled at the seventh anniversary show against Jay Briscoe. Um, it, it's just something that we've seen a lot currently of talent going to, you know, ROH, one of the smaller promotions and really kind of teaching the younger kids a thing or two. Well, you know, until I went through the show notes, I never, never knew that he went to Ring of Honor. I never knew this. Um, and I found that really interesting. And then uh, reading, you know, who who the guys he wrestled over there. Wow. I mean, I, I don't know if people remember uh, Nigel McGinnis. Um, he was in the first time I ever met that guy was when he came to Impact Wrestling. And. That guy was something special. Um, I don't know exactly what happened with him. I think something happened with his blood work or something. Yeah. I'm not even sure, um, and I'm not even trying to speculate. I, I have no idea. But I, I think that that would have been a freaking animal and would have been a big star in professional wrestling. I really do. And once again, I had no clue that he went to Ring of Honor. That's that's really cool, and I did not know that at all. Yeah, because he had, he had matches with, like, Cole Cabana, Claudio, Brian Danielson, uh, and then he would eventually go back over to Japan because um, he had to run there as a um, tag team with Bull Buchanan. If you remember Bull from WWE. Of course. Bull Buchanan was also in the uh, censored to be yeah, censored. Right, right to censored. Yeah, yeah, there and, you go. And, and his son's even in NXT now, too. Bull Buchanan. I didn't know. I didn't know. Who's his son? Oh, crap. I forgot his goddamn son's name now. He's a part of the tag team with, um, oh, shit. That's a bug the crap out of me. I'm sure somebody will DM me now and say, oh, it's this guy. Okay, well, fine. I don't, I should have probably written it down, but. Uh, don't worry. Don't worry. It's okay. It's NXT. No, nah, it's, yeah. <laughs> not, not, it's going to bug. It's now, yeah, but it's going to bug me to no extent now. Because uh, it's just like, okay, I know he's part of Brooks Jensen. He's part of a tag team in NXT now. Uh, he is, yeah. Brooks Jensen, yeah. And it looks exactly like I'm a big old hoss kind of guy um, that, you know, could knock you, knock you out without question. Uh, but, yeah, it's just interesting to go back and look at a lot of this ROH stuff because a lot of guys that um, were in TNA at that time, when it be 2008, 2009, I'm sure you saw it too, where they kind of just did those loops between uh, uh, TNA and ROH, you know, you got guys that you had Kaz there, you had uh, AJ Styles that were doing those loops with ROH too. So it was kind of like the forbidden door before the forbidden door. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I hate that word. Forbidden I, door? Oh, I can't stand it. Just just open the fucking door. Whatever. Um, but yeah, I guess it was the forbidden door before it was the forbidden door. Um, but yeah. Um, that's 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 pretty cool, man. When you go back and look at stuff like that, and I just uh, you know, another thing, and, and I really want to talk to Deal about this because I know this is some of his finer days too, just like mine. You know, Herbie Sadler, who was a race car driver, um, 
his brother's Elliot Sadler, uh, we had some of the best times when he was running house shows and he was the actual promoter for these TNA house show live events. And that was also when the forbidden door was opened as well, uh, because there were many talents coming in from everywhere that would work with the TNA guys and the TNA crew. So it was a really, really interesting time. And uh, we were running every other weekend. Uh, so it wasn't like this was like a you know one-off time thing. This was an every other weekend thing. And we were in different towns. We were in North Carolina. We were in Virginia. We were in South Carolina. We were in uh, we got shut down one time by Vincent Mann because we were running in Conne uh, Connecticut, I believe. Hmm. Uh, we had to move buildings. Um, it was it was in the middle of the night, kind of thing. It was it was really crazy. Uh, but what a time that was! And, and if nobody ever knows what I'm talking about, you should really go back to YouTube and check out some of these. I, I believe it was called. Um, gosh, what was it called? Um, I'm so bad. Um, UWF. Yeah. I'll, or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that was done by Hermie Sadler and, uh, great times, man. Great times. And we had a heck of a time and, and, and Hermie really did cater to boys and cater to all of us and made things as easy as possible. Great time, man. And that was my introduction to TNA before I got to TNA between my time between WWE and actually TNA. Yeah. Cause you ended up making a little, did you, was that the time that you went to ROH too, between, uh, WWE and, uh, TNA? Actually, no, uh, it was another in between her time. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to see a pattern here, Brian. Yeah, nobody likes me, man. It's okay. Uh, but Get yeah, in line, so, right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't give a shit. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, it was my time when I was in NWA, between my NWA time and back to my impact time here that I was. Oh, okay. Back. Gotcha. Gotcha. And that was when the Forbidden Door was actually going on as well, because I had a dual contract between uh, Ring of Honor and NWA. Oh, okay. So then you could go back and, oh, so you should go back and forth between it, the, whatever the bookings were. Correct. Okay. Uh, so briefly too, I will get also talk, touch on this too. When, when Dilo joins us shortly, but uh, what were your thoughts on the aces and eight? I always liked it. We talked about it before with bully. Um, what were your thoughts on it? And, you know, Dilo's involvement with it. Um, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm not trying to blow you off. I, I don't want to talk about this too much at all because this is something yeah. I really, really want to dig into Delos Brown, uh, his brain, because um, I've never talked to him about this. And this is what's interesting because, you know, I'm buddies with him. Yeah. Um, Elo was actually at my house um, two months ago, maybe, if that. And, you know, this is something I've never talked to him about. There's many things we're going to talk about that I've talked to him about that I want people to know about. This is one of those that I've, I, this will be for me to be as a fan and just want to hear what he says. Um, but as far as me personally, um, I felt he was a perfect, perfect person for this role. Um, and once again, we're, we're going to dig into this. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to spoil anything before he comes on and yeah. really going to ask him some questions about this and compare it to some things too, that he's done and, and see where we're at on that. Yeah. Ultimately at the end of the day, you know, whether obviously he's spots here and there, as far as in ring work, he's done stuff when they, you know, they briefly brought back the Asians and eight there this over this past year, but end of the day, how do you think that, you know, deal really going to be remembered. Do you think he's going to be more remembered as, you know, that WWF guy or the, you know, the TNA guy with the aces and eights and, and is as a producer? Oh, without a doubt. D uh, D Brown will be known as the, European champion that 
comes out, shakes his head, does his gimmick, and was in WWE in the Nation of Domination. That that's that's what people are gonna remember. Yeah, and, and it's just one of those those things too. Is that you know nowadays everybody goes back and watches a a lot of that stuff because of the network, and they just you don't realize you don't realize how good he actually was. You know, as far as in ring stuff. Yeah, this it, it is crazy. Um, you know, I was after it's you know spent the night and stayed at my house for a little bit. I, a couple of my uh, family members didn't know exactly who he was, obviously because they're not in the wrestling. I'm talking about my children's grandparents and stuff like that. So I mean, you, you know, they 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 didn't know who D. Leo Brown was. So went back and pulled up some video on YouTube, and you're right, man. You you forget how ultra talented this guy was. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it just goes back. Do you think his biggest? Who do you think his biggest rivalry really was in WWE? You said probably it would probably have been Xbox, right? You think? I think it had to be, man, because that was the that was a hell of a program. Um, I think that the the one that he did with uh, he had a little program with Owen Hart was a big one as well. Yeah. So that's yeah. a that's a D-Lo question, I think. You know? Do, do you think it was just if he would have came back? You know, he started. <sighs> you know, came with the company a little bit later, or a little bit earlier. Do you think it would have, he would have had a bigger career or do you think he can't, he hit it at the right time, you know, did what he had to do to get over. And, you know, he, he, he made the best of it as far as, you know, that mid mid card realm of the company. I, I don't know how to answer that. I, I just, I think that, there were just so many power stars that they didn't allow his character to evolve up to. Um, I think that he found himself stuck in the middle uh, when he was a top guy, you know what I mean? So it was, it was just kind of an ironic situation. Um, and, you know, back in those days too, man, I, I, you know, and I'm not trying to be racist or anything like that at all. I'm actually taking up for the black race. Really. I, I think that sometimes the black race was being held back in my opinion. And I don't know what reasons and all that stuff. I don't, you know, get into that mess. Um, but you know, I think that maybe that had a little something to do with it. Um, but you can't say that the guy wasn't talented. If you go back and watch what he does and, and, and listen, we'll get into this too when Delo gets on here, but you know, me and him did gut check together and um, we were in charge of that. And, and if people don't know what gut check is, you're going to find out later when we get D'Lo on. But um, basically it was a, it was a tryout situation for people from around the country in different areas we went to. And um, the, the, the type of teacher he is, is unbelievable. Um, so ultra, ultra, ultra athletic, ultra talented, can cut promos on anything and anybody at any time. Um, I even actually tried to text him and prep him for the show. And he says, I don't want to do any kind of preparation. Don't talk to me. I'm doing it on the fly. <laughs> I said, okay, buddy. Well, but that's the thing. It's like one of those, it's, he's kind of that old, old school mentality of like, I don't want to know not anything because I want to be surprised. I want to call it in the ring and I want to just go off of what you guys do. And I think that's, you know, and that's pretty much what, you know, what made him so good. Yeah. Uh, and I just don't think, you know, he really got to take a term, really got his, the flowers that he deserves. Yeah. Like I say, um, he came in at a time, man, when there was there was a lot of lot of power, a lot of power, and a lot of big wrestlers, man. Um, 
just, I mean, just we, if, we, if I had a list in front of me and can name you the people that were at the top at that time, it'd be mind blowing. Well, no, you, well, you had Rock, you had Taker, you had Kane, you had uh, Triple H, you had Austin, Mankind was there, uh, Vader was there at that time, Bret Hart for a short time. Um, yeah. Hart. So, you know, the, lo- the list is long. Um, with that. And it's just, it goes to show you on how the longevity of his career though. Do you really, I'm like coming in in 96, 97 and just up until this last couple of years, he was still doing stuff. Yep. Yep. You know, RJ, I'm getting really excited about D love man. Let's head this thing to third count. Let's go. Right, let's send it up there. Well, Brian, you better recognize you got the man himself, the greatest European champion of all time, Mr. D'Lo Brown. D'Lo, thanks for being here with us, man. What's going on, fellas? Behab, thank you for having me on. I've been I've been waiting a long time to, to come on, uh, wrapping it up with you. So I'm looking forward to this. Awesome deal, man. Hey, I'm so blessed to have you, man. I, I'm actually so excited about this episode. Like, there's 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 times where, you know, you just got to do work. You know what I mean? And today, I feel like yeah. this is not work, man. This is fucking me having fun with my boy. So I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. I also had to remind you of all these these notes and stuff, Brian, too. So I know I know you've been you've taken a few ref bumps over the years. So I figured something I had to get uh, knocked loose. Um, it did. Uh, I know I know a lot more about my friend AC than I knew before. Uh, <laughs> you damn right. <laughs> so, let, so let, quick, go, uh, let's take it on. All right. So um, I, I just want to ask this, and there's a lot I want to ask, but. Do you think that, because I do, RJ and I talked about this and discussed this. Do you not think that you are the one that revitalized and made the European Championship a vital championship again? Because I think it was 1998, if I remember right. Yeah, it was. 1998, you and X-Pop yeah. And um, I just think that the European title was kind of not what it was – meant to be until you actually got it and made it relevant again. Do you agree with that? No, I agree because it was a bit of a joke title when you, when you have someone just lay down in the ring and just give it away. Um, it was, it was largely considered just a, you know, a fifth level title. Uh, and I won't take credit for revitalizing the European title by myself. I mean, if it wasn't for me having matches with Xbox, um, who I consider my greatest rival, he and I looked at that like that was our world title. That was our way of showing the rest of the roster and, and, and the rest of the wrestling world we can go out there and compete at a high level for a championship. And so um, our overall goal was to make the European title the workers' title. That that belt that meant something inside the business as well as outside. is It was just we wanted to go out there and, and, and showcase it. So when the European title was announced, people would react and go, yes, not – Oh God, you know, it was, we wanted everyone to, to, to be as invested in that title as we were. So, I mean, I love my place in bringing that title back to the, the forefront of the, of the business. And, and, you know, I, I didn't do it alone. I had guys like Val Venus and, and X-Pac and everyone else who, who won against me during that, you know, 97, 98, 99 run. So I want to throw out three names to you. Mm-hmm. It's a short list that you're on. And I want to know if you know what that what that list in, entails. So okay. let, me, let me give you the three names, and yours the fourth. 
So Jeff Jarrett, Kurt Angle, and Rob Van Dam. Do you know why you're on that list with those three three names? Other than being dual champions, I don't know. You're exactly right. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Uh, are you are one of the four that have only been able to hold the European and Intercontinental Championship simultaneously. And, and I, I'm, not that, I'm, I'm not that intelligent. My notes are, but it's it's okay. I found it awesome, dude. I found that awesome. Um, well, I I will say one thing, Beheb. I'll own my spot in that because I was the first. Okay, there we go. And that's why we yeah. said earlier today, you can tell Kurt Angle, you can say, "Hey, it got one up on you, Kurt." Olympic gold medalist, mm -hmm. freaking neck. Yes. <laughs> look, look, I could never wrestle in the Olympics. I could never wrestle a broken neck. But you know what? I was the first year continental champion. I'll own that. <laughs> awesome deal, dude. Why not? And we, we also talked before you hopped on with us, Dilo. We talked about, um, you know, the uh, nation domination. I just, one of my growing up as a 13 year old fan, I've always watched the the Raws after the fact because my parents didn't want me to watch WWE at that time, which whatever I found out eventually mm -hmm. to watch it. So, uh, how how vital was that that group for you there in '97? Because you just run down everybody knows the list of people that were in that. Did you, everybody have their own specific spot, or was it just hey, let's just be the best we can be as a group and let the chips fall where they may. Well, I mean, in the beginning, the group was built as a vehicle to get to, for Ron Simmons. Okay. Uh -huh. And then he had, he had those around him. Um, and then eventually the group was to help Rocky grow. But in that we were all allowed to have the freedom of reign to find our own cat, uh, you know, our own character and, and find ourselves. And they gave us the freedom to experiment and, and try different things. And then eventually it led to all of us creating a secondary legacy after the nation. So for me, the nation was one of the most pivotal points in my career in terms of I'm around these, these teachers, these legends like Ron Simmons to give me, you know, the, the direction. And yet here I'm on national TV, still finding a way to create, the Delo character. So, I mean, without the nation, I'm not here talking to you right now. So that's how important it is to me. Yeah, because it just it, it just it developed so many great talent, yourself included. It was you, Rock, uh, uh, Mark Henry, even. It's just mm -hmm. I just love the tag team that you and Mark were, and it's just just badass, <laughs> badass guys uh, <laughs> kicking ass and taking names. Well <laughs> And the thing about, like, when, when Mark and I tagged, it wasn't like they just put us together as two guys. We were actually friends outside of the ring, out away from the arena. Right. So it made it, like, we were, when we got in the ring, that was the easy part of our day. And, Brian, you can attest to that. That's the easy part of your day because you're just going out there and having fun. So yes. it, it, it is very easy to go out there and just act a fool when you're standing three feet away from your best friend. I mean, that's light. Yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. Um, so in comparison, and maybe there's not yeah. any. I, I just feel like there could be. But 
you know, we had Bully Ray on, um, I don't know about what, three weeks ago, RJ, something like that. Something like, yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, he was, he was very, very, um, uh, I don't know the choice of words, but he was very, very hypothetical and very um, dug deep into aces and eights. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like, and it was something he felt very proud of and mentioned you quite a bit of times on the, on the show um, as far as being, you know, a missing link that filled, you know, with you. Um, is Nation of Domination and Aces and Eights any comparison to your career at all? Or, or, or is it just something that happened during your career? Or, like, in other words, where does this fit in the scheme of things of D'Lo Brown? Um, Aces and Eights is right up there. Um, it's another situation of when you put – I mean, I had been friends with Bubba and Devon. And, and and gallows and, and 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 the rest of the group and anderson long before so when we got together we were able to go out there and again have fun and it's so it, it sounds weird when i say have fun on tv but when you're in front of the red light it's so stressful because you're trying to to try to wrestle tell a story engage fans but when you're out there with the people next to you that you've driven hundreds of thousands of miles with, when you've been in arenas with them and when you've flown around the world with them, it gets a lot easier to go out there and entertain. So when the whole Ace and Ace thing was brought up, you know, I wasn't supposed to be part of it. I was just a guy wearing a mask who was helping the younger guys of, of, of Briscoe and Bischoff beat people up. But it, it, it morphed into let's make you an on-screen character. And then when that happened, it was like, let's go because this is going to be fun. And then you had that – you had Bully on top who was who was primed for his first singles run of his career, you know. Um, it was just a really, really good group of guys to be around. And, you know, I put that right up there sitting next to, you know, my time with the nation, my time in Ace and Eights. I mean, I love both very very much mm-hmm. so one more one more thing to touch on that and then you know i'll let rj because i know rj's itching um I, this is what i find really interesting so bubba was really um passionate about the aces and ace mm-hmm. you, you were very passionate about the aces and ace listen to you now do you mm-hmm. think that that was because that was something that was thrusted upon y'all by EB, uh, Eric Bischoff, if people don't understand what I'm saying. Um, and y'all were determined to make something that was going to be a ratings draw because I think y'all thought, oh, shit, let's work harder with a smaller company to try and make this really a big deal. Like, what made this so special for you guys? Because the, the passion that you both talk about is is incredible to me, man. And I, and I never realized the passion that you both have for it is, is that for all your characters you've ever done or is it because i don't understand i'm just trying to figure out what made this so important to both you and him um okay so that's a really good question i'm i'm i'm, I'm trying to think of the right way to answer this uh for me ace and eights was drawn off sons of anarchy we were all fans of the show like help the whole nation was fans of the show so when we got to go do an on-screen version of that, it was presented to us. It's like, yeah, we can take this and make noise. 
and we can we can alert the world to what at that time TNA Impact was by doing these cool characters that everyone can rally around. And then when you got in it and you look to your left, you look to your right, you see your friend on the left and a friend on the right, it's like, now I'm going to go out there and work hard because I want to help him. And I know he's going to help me. And we're all going to try to build this thing. And if we all do that, it can get national news in the wrestling world. Um, and it was about going out there and try to let everybody know we were there. And in, once again, I, I go with, you know, I go to Anderson, who was given a, a second shot at the business. You know, I, I go with Bully, who was going for his, like I said, first singles run. Me as an, an old school vet at the time, holding on to my last time on TV. You know, we all want to just go out there and succeed for the other guys. So that's what made it really, really good for everybody else. And, and you know, when you're part of something special, Brian, it, it, you feel it. There's, there's, no, there's no way to define it. You just feel it in your heart and your soul. When there's something special that you put in, you're like, oh, yeah, we can't waste this opportunity. Gotcha. Makes sense. You know, Dill, it was something that I found very interesting, too, about the Aces and Eights the whole time that you spent there is that you're cutting a promo. They could be cheering you one minute and just booing you the next minute. Uh, we yeah. have um, a short clip here that we'll play for that I'll play for you um, that I want to uh, have you listen to that. I, it just solidifies what. Um, what it what it was. So let me play that real quick for you. Yeah. Now quiet down. The VP is about to speak. You see, last but not least, I have my present, my gift, if you will. But my gift was not something I gave. My gift was something I received. Last week, I received this letter from TNA World Headquarters. And inside this letter, was my notice of termination from TNA. But you see, TNA, after all my years of hard work, I think I deserved a little more than this plain little envelope. I didn't get a phone call. I didn't get a meeting. Now I know that there are officials from TNA in the back. And I don't want you to text me. I don't want you to tweet me. I want one of you to come out here and tell me. Tell me why I deserve to get fired. One of you come from the back. Who's gonna talk to me face to face? Who? What the? <laughs> well, he's no TNA official. I know that much. Whoa, 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 whoa. D-Lo, I got something to say. 
I'm gonna say it right to your face. All right, guys, I wanna hear this I'm back not gonna up a do it by Twitter or Facebook or social media or even cell phone. I'm gonna walk down this aisle. I'm gonna get in that ring. Okay. I'm gonna look you in the eye. Come on. And I'm gonna tell you how I really feel. What do you got to say, Angle? You tell me what you got to say. This is how I truly feel. So that was uh, <laughs> that was probably one of my. I, I I looked at so many different, and Brian knows. I looked at so many different uh, 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 promos and this for this episode, and I'm like, oh, that's my favorite one. I got to do that. And I sent it to him. He's like, gold. I'm like, gold. I'm like, great. Um, so w- with that, it's just was that your mentality? Obviously, you playing off of your your time in the nation. You bringing this to aces and eights. Was that kind of mentality going into that type of thing where, hey, I want these guys to cheer me and then boo the crap out of me? You know, it's not even that mentality. It's you go out there and you you say what's on your mind in the Uh context of the storyline. And then the beautiful thing about the people is they react the way they want to react. Mm -hmm. And it is up to you standing in the ring to work with it or get eaten up by it. You know, a classic example is the what chant that goes on now. So that was the promo that I was showing the aggressiveness of being fired. I, I, I knew Kurt was coming out and I wanted to set stage as best I could to have Kurt, when his music hit, there was that reaction we needed, you know? Um, but man, that was such a fun clip to listen to. Just hearing the reactions in the background. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. So that was really cool. So there's a couple of things I want to point out, Dilo. I'm, I'm I'm being you now. I'm talking to you like you would talk to me. Okay. There are things I noticed there. The first, that was an unscripted promo. Yes, it was. The second, you controlled the people like puppets. Yes. You, you at first, if you listen to the beginning of that clip, the very beginning, they were into you and you were like, fuck no. And you yes. said, I'm the MV or the VP or whatever you said. I'm sorry. The, the VP speaking, shut up. Right. So because you, you immediately wanted to get your heat. And that's when that place, if you listen to that clip, went crazy and booed you out the building. I love well, that. It is. The same. I knew Kurt was coming out. I can't cut a Bayface promo. I know what I know the reaction I need at the end of what's going on here. Okay. So when the crowd was into me, I had to turn them and and make them mad at me. And and just yeah. little things, the way I speak, the the cadence where I talk, and then and then telling them to shut up all plays into I know where I wanted to go. So I mean Man, that was that was a good that was a good clip. Do do you find it hard sometimes? Because I've noticed this throughout your career, and I've had a lot to do with your career as far as being around it. Uh, mm-hmm. You you are known to the people though as a baby face. I mean, you just are. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes. I mean, they really are. And to do what you did in that clip to me, because this was this was like a throwback for me too. It was like awesome to listen to. Um, that's 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 Dilo working, man. I mean, it really is because you could have gotten that babyface fucking reaction, and you knew that. Mm-hmm. That's yes. why 
Yeah, and I, and I really believe that's why we saw that gear kick in. And that's something you've always talked to me and others about, about trying to control the crowd. And, I, I, and, and then the reason why, when RJ sent this to me, I was like, that's one we're keeping, yes. Because this is what I could touch on. And, and it's exactly what, I, what you always teach. And I, I just thought this was a great clip. Great clip. No, I thought it was a great clip. And, and yeah, it, it's, it's about, first of all, A, knowing your role as an copywritten, knowing your role as what you're supposed to be. Um, and, and, and my role was the heel. And I could not allow a reaction that would impede the role of Kurt Angle being the babyface. Because I, I needed him to have, and then to me, as a heel, I don't want to give too many trade secrets away. I'm about to give a deep one away. But it's whatever reaction I get, booing or, or cheering, is all music to my ears because you actually feel enough about me or the person that's going to be in the ring with me to make a reaction as opposed to just sitting there and, and, and just watching. So when they can cheer in the beginning and you can turn them on booze and then Kurt Angle, who's this big star, comes out and they they blow the roof off, it says something to the to the bad guy standing in the ring that Kurt Angle gets that kind of a reception. Yeah. You know, that was you know later on, 2013. I wanted to bring up 2013 because I think that's really when Aces and H really got hot. Uh, when Bully mm -hmm. Ray was uh, revealed as the president of Aces and Eights. Do you feel the yes. same way with that? Or do you think that it was hot? It, it really, you know, just grew to this? Or was this the time? No, that was the moment when, when Bully was revealed as the president. That's when all the mysteries that played out. That's when all the, the storyline played out. And here it is. Um, Ace and Ace has, has has manipulated and worked everyone throughout the impact, you know, TNA Impact Office, manipulated and and worked all the fans, and it was such an amazing moment that that we revealed that Bully was the dude. Like I was so proud of that moment because it it just it felt off the charts as it was happening. Yeah. Now I know um from talking to you as, as a friend, um, I, I know the answer to this, but I'm, other people to uh, hear, um, you really valued your time in Japan. Um, yes. and, and you really, it's, it's, it's something you talk about quite frequently and it's mm -hmm. something very, very proud of. Um, what, what made Japan something special to you as opposed to say TNA or WWE? What, what made Japan something that you want to talk about all the time? Um, so as you grow up in the business, you realize that the lore of Japan, the thought of Japan, that's where you go when you want to consider yourself a worker. And, and I use that word as when you can go out there, you can wrestle with anyone, you can create any kind of storyline that is asked of you. So when you're in Japan and you get invited once, anybody can get invited once. When you go back 55 times that tells you something about you like they invite you back and so you're there and it proves that your your ability as an in-ring worker um the, the the people 
look at wrestling not as entertainment but as sport. So if you can if you can connect and get over with them, you're actually doing something. So it's it's more it's a cultural thing where you know they look at wrestling like we all did when we were you know 9 10 11 where it was like oh my god this combative sport holy hell this is great it's such an environment to be in like it's 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 addictive to be in front of those people not this, I'm not underselling any of the fans anywhere around the world just the way they give respect and pay homage to what you do gives you a different respect for them Got you. Got you. Um, something else I wanted to touch on. Um, well, we're a lot, Dilo, so don't think you're done. Uh, <laughs> I'm, done I'm done. Goodbye. See you. Bye, Ham. <laughs> <laughs> we have, um, we, we've never touched on this particular guy on our show, and obviously we've mentioned him several times and all that, but I know you've got some history with him, um, and I'm referring to Owen Hart. And Yeah. I know for facts that earlier in your career, you mm-hmm. were you were blessed to work with RJ. I'm RJ. I'm sorry. With, no, with no, all- no, no. I'm like you. <laughs> you're blessed to work with me. Delo's blessed to work with you. <laughs> I, I got my blessings wrong. Sorry. <laughs> but um, but no. Um, but you were very blessed to work with Owen early in your career. Yes. Uh, so I know he means a lot to you because we've also talked about this as well. So I, I also put another clip together for you because I wanted you to hear this. And then I want you to just talk about that moment and to kind of maybe just pay tribute to Owen and talk about Owen. Because once again, um, like I said, I know you have history with him. And I just want you to kind of let our listeners know what a special talent this guy was. And so we're going to let you listen to this clip real quick and then uh, open it up to you. And by he, he means me put it together, deal. So, anyways, just put RJ, having a match. RJ, do your work. And Owen, <laughs> and I'm particularly stiff. And Owen's going, calm down, kid, calm down. I'm like, I'm just nervous for some reason. I don't know why. So, Owen just starts wrestling me, just putting me in and out of holds, puts chin lock on me, goes, look down at your boot. Look down at my boots unlaced. How that happened? So, go forward, wrestle around again, wrestle around again, snap mare, chin lock. Look at your other boot. My other boot's unlaced. How did this? I know I laced my boots. This never happens to me. Tuck my boot laces back down again. Wrestle, 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 wrestle. Snap mare. Puts me a headlock in. I, I look. My boot, nothing. He goes, look at the referee. Look at the referee. The referee's shoe's untied. When I look at the referee's shoe, I start giggling. And he goes, are you relaxed now? Because now let's go wrestle. And at that point, he could rib you, he could love you, he could play a joke on you all at the same time in front of 20,000 people and no one would ever know it. That's how good he was. So, d I, mean, talk I, about I, I, get, I get goosebumps just hearing myself talk about Owen. Um, in this business where we always hear about the bad guys or we hear about those who have problems, we don't hear enough about guys like Owen who would do anything for anybody and his only job was to make you better. Whether it was in the ring or out of the ring. And then 
you know, he was an example of a guy who was who married his high school sweetheart and 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 was continuously building their dream home. Like uh I I I'm teary eyed right now because of that clip. And, and for those of you who don't know, full disclosure, if you remember back to the night after Owen passed, we did a raw and we all wore the black armbands that said Owen on them. Do you remember them? Yeah. I carry that armband till this day. It's in my carry-on luggage. It's with me every day, everywhere I go. Because wow. I feel like oh I feel like Owen is watching me and Owen is helping me. It is you you can coin check me. Don't care. Ask me to show you. I will show I will pull it out and show it to you. I've carried that with me every day since that raw. Because that's what Owen means to me. Um, he's he, he's he's the greatest example of what a man, a dad, a human being should be, and that's that has nothing to do with wrestling. That has everything to do with Owen Hart. That's amazing, man. You got, you got me crying now. Damn you, Heb. I'm sorry, man. Um, and, Damn and you. It's okay, man. Um, so I'm 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 gonna lighten the conversation. So I want to let you know I, I uh I, I don't remember what year, but I went to a house show with my dad, and um, Owen I guess was on fire because my dad actually warned me about Owen, and um, <laughs> I um I ended up walking around half of the evening, and I was taking robes, um, and that was a big to do for me, and I got paid fifty bucks too, and um, I will pay off. Let's say it again. Hella payoff there. Absolutely. <laughs> and I'm walking around with a sign on my back with shaving cream around the border mm -hmm. on my back that says I'm a tool bag. And you have no clue. Not a clue. And I'm walking to the ring every single match getting robes and fans are popping and I think they're fucking popping for me. <laughs> <laughs> And they're actually laughing at me. And finally, believe it or not, of all people, um, Bulldog pulls it off my back because he didn't want the attention to be taken away from him during his match. Uh, he, <laughs> yes. See, there's the worker there. I get it now. So anyway, that's that's Owen, man. And, 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 and golly. Um, and we only brought it up because, like, like I said, I, we, me and RJ talk and plan about our show, and we don't talk about Owen, which is, you know, it's not on, on, on purpose or you know anything like that. It's just, you know, it's just that we just haven't had a chance to do this. And uh, and I knew you had worked with him, and because you have actually talked to me about him before, and and, mm -hmm. and and then when I went through my notes and all that stuff, and I saw, you know at the beginning of your career and then RJ was able to pull up that clip. And I was like, dude, we're going to spend a few minutes to talk about Owen Hart and we're going to let Dilo talk about this guy. And it, that was awesome, man. Mm -hmm. I, I really, really well, love it. And I, I'll give one last point to Owen. He never, he, he was the master of the rib, but it was nothing malicious, nothing where you'd be over embarrassed, nothing would hurt you just enough to make everyone laugh. But then he played a rib on you. And then he would he would he would reach and hug on you, and then he would grab you up, and he'd talk to you about 
Ah, I ribbed you because I liked you. If I didn't rib you, I wouldn't like. You know, I, I don't like you if I don't rib you. So you oh. knew that when when Owen ribbed you, you were part of his family at that point, and he would do anything to protect you at that point going forward. So it, well, I wish the world I wish the world had more Owen Hart's in it. Yeah, that's true, man. I I agree with that. I agree with that. You know, seeing a lot of the rosters now, just not impact, just outside of impact, you've seen a lot of these uh, TNA originals. And you got likes of Bobby mm-hmm. Roode, AJ Styles, uh, Samoa Joe, out elsewhere. Are you mm-hmm. surprised to see the success that those TNA originals, uh, you know, from basically from the time Brian got there and yourself there, 08, all the way up to, you know, towards like 13, 14, are you surprised that they've, you know, they've gotten even bigger than they were in TNA? Hell no. I mean, Brian, you can attest to this. We knew, look, we, Brian and I had already been around guys who were at the top of the, you know, top of the wrestling world, top of the food chain in wrestling. And when you see a star, you can see him a million miles away. Brian, do you agree? Yes, absolutely. And I, when I walked into that original roster of TNA Impact, you saw young guys like AJ Styles and Bobby Roode and James Storm. You saw them there getting ready, getting national exposure, being on TV, honing their craft, getting better every week. And then when you bring a, a legend like Kurt Angle in to bring even a, a new depth of advice and experience, you knew these guys were going to become great. You you knew it. You could see it. You could feel it. So for me to just be part of that ride was amazing because I, I, I feel like I got to see, you know, my generation go out to succeed. And then I got to go along in the passenger seat for the next generation. And it was pretty damn cool. Um, so, no, it. it you you want you asked me if I was surprised by the success of the TNA originals? Hell no! It, you could feel they were going to become stars. So so RJ on, on that, I want you to know this, and this is uh, D'Lo. I want you to back me on this. Yeah. So so when D'Lo and I were traveling together, we were on this little venture, and it was called the Mini Van of Love. The Mini Van of Love. <laughs> <laughs> And that, that is the truth. Now, this van consisted of this. Mm-hmm. Now, you think about if this van were to veer off the road and go off a cliff and not go to the show, how fucked mm-hmm. this production would be. Yes. All live events, this van was consisted of this. The head promoter, head booker, the head agent, head of merchandise, the guy who ran the merchandise the head referee and the legendary referee mm-hmm. that car consisted of if you want to know names was jason james mm-hmm. and i'm the order of seating by the way yep. jason james yep Dino brown yep craig jenkins yep don west yep earl freaking hebner yep and brian hebner Yes, sir. Now, not to tell any other stories inside that van, but to tell 
about conversations in that in that in that van. We had the conversation exactly of the question you asked, Eva. And everybody that's doing what they're doing were the names that we all collaborated with and came up with mm-hmm. that are doing right now, right or wrong, Dilo. No, I, I will completely agree. And when you had, we had the entire think tank of what was an impact house show in one van driving hundreds of miles. And we would spend so much time just talking and, and looking at, looking at, who could be that next guy, that next girl who is going to become a star? Yeah, man, the conversation. In fact, Don West today lives in Wenatchee, Washington. We drove past it. He literally pointed at his house that he was going to move into and six months later moved into that house. He did. He did. He, he, pointed, he goes, I could live right there. And six months later was living in that exact house he pointed at. So like it was, it was a, it was a think tank and man, other than my time in the ring, that is my favorite time in the business. The thousands of miles we logged in that minivan of love. I'll I'll have to agree. Um, If anybody asked me to sum up outside the ring, what was the best experience I ever had? It was TNA Impact Wrestling in the minivan of love. I look forward to Mm -hmm. just plane and getting in that van and being with my family and traveling all the miles yes. I actually prayed for long drives I actually did when it's when they would say it's only 30 miles and I'm like shit you know I was pissed. right it's not long enough it's not long enough <laughs> no yeah I I wanted these man it's gonna be about a three-hour ride I was like yes you know um, I, I I got giddy when it was like hey, hey Craig how far are we here from the next town Six and a half hours. Hell yeah. Let's go. You know, we had we had we had Jason James who was the night ranger. He'd get behind a wheel and he would roll us down the highway and we would ha- literally have a think tank and just roll. And it was amazing. And 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 the, the, the biggest story out of all this was the line of the night in the minivan of love that never stopped giving. And it was my father in the back mm-hmm. who was always intoxicated. Mm-hmm. And he would look up at D'Lo who was all the way in the front of a Dodge Caravan who D'Lo could not see at all. And he, yep, would, just nope, say, nope. he would just say, hey D'Lo, hey D'Lo, why everybody's talking? He didn't give a shit. And everybody shut up and he go, Dilo, and he would go, yes, Earl, yes, Earl, and he'd say, "Hey, Dilo, who could be me? Who could be me?" <laughs> and Dilo would look back at him and say, "No one, Earl. No one. No you one, need a beer? Earl, no one. <laughs> no one, Earl. No one. Who could be me? No one." Yeah, oh, damn. Golly. That's my life. I'm surprised. I'm surprised you didn't make that a shirt, uh, Brian. Well, I tell you, if, if somebody told me right now that they would put the minivan back of love uh, on that road and said, you want to come out of retirement, I'd be done. I'd be right there. Absolutely. So is that still when did that uh, I'm, I'm assuming that that minivan is long gone. There were never mm-hmm. a minivan of love. Never. 
No. Not at that altitude. Yeah, it, no, no, no. And it would it would take everyone to get back together. And um, you know, Craig is off doing something else, Jason James is off doing something else. Um, unfortunately, Don West is dealing with some health issues at the moment. Um if you told me I could put back completely intact the minivan alone, I'd leave my house right now. I'd drive 10,000 miles to be in it. And I would drive wherever I needed to go to be in a minivan alone right now. Absolutely. No one knows, man. No one understands it. And it's the first time I've uh, ever talked about this on my show, man. I've ne- I've I've never spoken about the minivan love on on in public ever. So I think we, that- found, I, I think we found a new title for this this episode, Brian. <laughs> oh, I don't care. It, it's it's, <laughs> it's the greatest. It's the greatest thing ever in my life, and I'm glad we were because now I'm about. I, I, I've traveled with a bunch of I've traveled with a bunch of dudes. I've I've been in cars with guys I have bonds with for the rest of my life. There is something special about the minivan of love, and I'll, I'll go down and and you can you can put it on my gravestone. My time in that minivan, uh, I can't I, I I can't undersell, and it, it it changed me as an individual. Um, you would hear I, I I appreciated merchandise and how it was sold after that. Uh, I I appreciate settling the building, which nobody ever thinks about. I got to see other aspects of what we do and those individuals who are the best at what they do try to do it. I mean, Don West sold $100 million or whatever the number is of selling stuff at 3 o'clock in the morning on those infomercials. So here's a guy in charge of merch for Impact. Craig Jenkins, I watched him settle a building and the building owed us money after the fact, which was weird. And then, you know, Jimmy J was learning the business, and then you got the the best referees in the business, both Hebners. Uh, I consider myself lucky to be sitting there next to them. Awesome times, man. Awesome times. And I, I tell you, what's funny, too, is, uh, you know, you know when, when, when D'Lo would have his very frequently used days off, uh, we would have, you know, agents come in that were, you know, from TNA. Um, and uh, it's really funny. Uh, Al, Al Snow was one of those that fill in for him at that time. And uh, Al was one of those guys that wanted to ride by himself, but he just did not know what he was missing out on. And uh, Pat Kenny was 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 uh, wise to the situation. And mm-hmm. he did not waste but maybe one loop by himself before he said, I'm hopping in that motherfucker over there. <laughs> And he hopped in there. Well, because I, I told I told I, I I told PK you need to do yourself a service and ride the minivan while I'm gone. Hey, he he I can tell you right now, he didn't mind when you were off, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, you damn right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So we got uh, hey bro, we got a couple uh listener questions for you, deal. Is that cool? Cool. All right. So we got our uh First one here comes from Greg Anthony. He asks, he wants to know about your uh, lowdown frog splash. He said he always heard that you were friends with Reckless Youth. Uh, was it based off of what yes. their frog splash? 
Okay, so my growing up, Reckless Youth and I, and for those you don't know, Reckless Youth was a was a huge uh, Northeast independent wrestler. Tom Carter, he was like the next best thing. Let's rewind back. He and I loved wrestling, so we were tape traders. We would view wrestling from anywhere, any any. If we can get a videotape of it, we watched it. So one of the you know the videotapes we watched was uh, Eddie Guerrero and Art Bar Los Gringos Locals, and the Frog Splash I do was built off Art Bars where he would do hands between your legs, where Eddie would do the the tuck, but I thought the hands between the legs was cool as hell. Reckless was the first one to be able to do it, and I I tried my ass off all the time to be able to do it. So when I finally learned how to do it correctly, that was like my finish because that was the thing I spent the most damn time on learning how to do and wrestling. So yes, it's it's built off Reckless Youth, um, but that's also built off Art Bar where it came from. All right, our next one comes from Miguel Contreras. He said, he want, what was your opinion overall Wait. of TNA when you first came to TNA back in the asylum years after leaving WWE? When I first walked in, it was, it was I didn't know what to expect. Um, you know, you had seen stuff on TV, the pay-per-views at the time, you know, the 88 or 99, whatever they were. Um, but then when I got in the locker room and I saw the level of talent that was there, because, you know, I'd been locked into the WWFE bubble at the time. Um, when I got there and I saw the level of talent, it was like, wow, these guys don't know how good they are. Mm -hmm. They don't know how good they are in comparison to everyone else. The reason why is because no one tells them they're good. So it was my job to go, bro, Based on the guys that have been around, you're just as good as this guy or this girl. And I think this company has an opportunity with this many, with this high caliber of talent, they can do something. Right. So that was my first impression. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And our last one comes from the Cross Body of Work uh, podcast. It says, as one of the greatest European champions ever, what is your favorite place in Europe to visit? Well, England, England, London, Manchester, anywhere around, you know, Liverpool, those are my, England is my favorite place as, as to be, no disrespect anywhere else in all of Europe or European countries, but um, I felt the most home at, in, in England. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Uh, so both obviously the pandemic era is really, it really took a toll on a lot of people. Obviously, as as a talent, but more importantly, as a producer, what are how difficult was it really during that time frame? Obviously, because you were a producer at that time, correct? Yes. Okay. Now, how how different was it? How could you compare or contrast it if you were even in the ring, um, being an in ring talent at that well time? I mean, if you think about it, wrestling is all about instant gratification. It's about doing a move and hearing the crowd a tenth of a second later, right? Mm 
Mm-hmm. If you take the crowd away, there's not that instant feedback. So to go out there and just wrestle without playing with the crowd, without the interaction of the crowd, I give the talent that did it over the last few years so much credit. I don't know if I'd have been able to do it. Yeah. I think I would have. I would have been. I, I think I would have been able to adapt, but I'm so set in the ways where I do something. Let me hear what you think, so I can go on to the next thing, or I can react and move forward. But when that interaction is not there, I mean, that's what wrestling is. It's it's that interactive, interactive, uh, you know, entertainment form involving the audience. And take the audience away, man, that's tough. So I give the guys and girls over the last, you know, two or three years, mad credit. I don't care what company you're in. I don't care where you at. If you were in the ring and you had matches in front of an empty crowd, you know, an, just an empty arena, you want to put on a show, a match, a show, hell. Good on you because I don't know if I could do it. And Brian, do you agree? I, I totally agree, man. It was probably the most difficult time I've ever had uh, as far as being a referee. It was absolutely insane. Um, I pride myself so much as much as probably anybody else that works as hiding our art. And mm -hmm. it's hard to hide our art with no noise. Um, and it makes it extremely difficult to do my job and extremely difficult for big mm -hmm. boys and the girls to do their job because listen, facts are facts. We're entertainment. And in order to mm -hmm. entertain, we have to do certain things to get that to you to be able to be entertaining. Yep. And we have things to each other. And that became very difficult. Um, and so I, 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 I 100% agree with you. I mean, I think that that was a very, very, trying time for me in my career. I'm not going to lie. It was a, um, it was a way of me stepping up and trying to figure out how to be a different referee that I'm used to being accustomed to. Um, and I know it had to be for talent. I mean, I know it had to be because no one can mm -hmm. remember a 30 minute match. Nobody, you can't remember everything. Mm -hmm. Um, so you have to transpire these spots and transfer them somehow, some way without letting our illusion go away for people. You know, and mm -hmm. um, that's what became the very difficult part. And so, no, I agree with you, D'Lo. Um, you know, hats off to all the referees. Hats off to all the wrestlers. Hats off to all the managers, yes. all the agents. Yes. Um, because that was a difficult time for wrestling. I mean, it really was. It was not very easy. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think it really actually grew up a lot of people, man, to be honest with you. I think it was a good time for uh, people to actually step up their game. And I'm included in that. And I've been doing it for over 20 plus years. And I had to find a way to step my game up. And if I had to, then I know other people that didn't have the years that I had, had to as well. So I, I think it could be a blessing and a curse at the same time. I, I agree with you. I believe in the fact that it taught the talent, the production, and every aspect of the business we took things for granted because we always had the instant gratification of the fans. Yep. It took us to a different level because we had to step up. 
See, the difference between Hollywood pro wrestling, okay? Pro wrestling is one take. You get the, you go out there and you do it. Hollywood, you can you can do it a hundred times so you get it right. Wrestling, I hear the people instantly I know what to do next. Hollywood, I've got to shoot a scene and then wait months or if not years to see how they thought about the movie. Wrestling is, I'm going to go out there and do it and get a reaction, and I'm going to build next week off of what I hear tonight. Hollywood is, I'm going to wait for the reviews and see if we're going to make another movie. Wrestling needs the interaction of people, the instant gratification. Without that, it's almost like, you know, missing a part of your body. Like it, it, it's it's what you need to survive. It, it's like wrestling needs that that cheer, that boo, that instant gratification, that feedback. And and for that time when we didn't have it, man, it it was like wrestling was missing its heart. But I'm so glad that wrestling's got its heart back, and I hope we never lose that crowd again, that voice again, because. You know, I always tell everybody that in a match, the wrestler and the referee are the two most important thing. I'm now going to add the wrestler, the referee, and the audience because we work in concert together. That, that, that is a 100% true statement. And I'll say this, d um, and, and I'm sure you felt it too. Um, maybe not as much as me because you weren't, you know, in the moment as far as being backstage because of the fact of where your role was. But I've had goosebumps many, many times. And I will tell you, I don't remember the goosebumps on my body and my arms being stronger than that first night we had a crowd in Nashville. And I don't care if it was 400 people. It, 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 I, I didn't care. It, it, it was one of the biggest goosebump moments of my life. If somebody said, what's the biggest goosebump moment, they mm-hmm. would die and say it wasn't Hogan and Vince. Fuck no, it wasn't. It was Nashville. No. Tommy Dreamer versus Eddie Edwards. And mm-hmm. in front of 400 people. Um, that was the biggest Brian, Brian, that 400 might as well have been 40,000. It, it was, I mean, I was in the back. Behind walls, behind curtains, you know? And I could hear and feel the energy coming from a live audience something we had not seen in almost two years yes so when we we first got that first taste of it again you don't you don't know what you got until it's gone is the most truest statement ever created on this planet we had no clue we had until it was gone i agree i agree Dilo, you good on time? Whatever you need. Whatever you be have. Whatever you need. I just had a couple more questions, and then we can close shop. It's all good. So, in your long, rivaled time in the game, mm-hmm. I found this to be an interesting question for a lot of people. Tell me what you think your hit was, and tell me what you think your miss was. Well, my miss is easy. That's when I was doing the lowdown gimmick with Chaz and we turned into Arabs. That was my miss. 
<laughs> what was it? Lowdown. They put us in. They we did lowdown. They put us in turbans and genie pants, and made Tiger Ali sing our manager, and that was my low. <laughs> that was my low. You mean your miss? That was my miss. Like if I could, if I could do it again, I would say I don't want to do that ever. But 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 you couldn't control that, right? That was just a no. uh, right, right, right. So what would be um, what would what would be your miss as far as what you couldn't control? So in other words, um, so if I was asked myself the same question, my miss would have been, I should have been a better person as far as my outside activities because. That's basically, in a nutshell, how things happen and spiral out of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, and I get you there. Um, Miss for me would have been, I wish I would have, when I was younger, respected the office more in terms of respecting what an agent was uh, and what they meant to your match and to the business and not really caring. Um, It took on until later on. Um, becoming an agent. Also, I wish I knew and a miss for me was not respecting of what production does because their job with the agent is to make you better. Right. Um, and I thought at the time my wrestling was going to make me great. Um, it, it It's about you have to give props to those who shoot you the right way right for you the right way and put you in position to succeed. And and we as young wrestlers need to appreciate that. And that was a miss for me. Got you. What's your hit? Being an agent and helping younger talent figure out my miss before they find it's a miss. <laughs> <laughs> So one more thing I want to, and then I'm a, one more question and we're, I'll close you out. Cause I know you got a life and I know you got family. Um, so a lot of people don't understand this and I want you to touch on this because this is where I learned a lot about you as far as a performer. Um, so I don't know the year I'm sure RJ can figure it out, but anyway, where me and you were running the TNA gut check. Mm-hmm. Um, I, really 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 like not that i didn't know but i really knew knew when i was doing this what a great teacher and a great mind you are and how you break things down to the guys to make things as simple as you can even though it's the most difficult business to be in but <laughs> but your 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 lingo and your conversations and your teaching of how to get to a certain point in a match to shorten it, to not elongate it, to make it mean something. Um, I, I can't get really into it, but you understand my, I think what I'm saying, but that's when I really, really mm-hmm. totally understood how really talented you really, really truly are. Like as far as a teacher, like, and I always knew you were good, but I never knew that you knew what you knew. And it was crazy mm-hmm. to me. Um, because I just saw you teach these guys and I saw one guy, one guy, it only took one guy and I'm not going to call him out because he's not doing anything right this moment, but he's on his way. 
and it's mm-hmm. very interesting. But you came to me and told me you liked him and you wanted to get all the information on him. And I said, okay. And you flipped him in an hour, in one hour. So my point of bringing this whole conversation up is this. What makes you think, and maybe you don't think, I do, what makes you maybe underrated as a teacher, a trainer, and someone who can actually scout and look at people and talent and can tell somebody who the fuck can be good in this business? Um, I don't think inside the business anyone looks at me as underrated because those who have been around me know that, you know, I, I can see talent. Um, those around me know that, and I say professionally, those who are around me see the way I talk and, 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 and listen to the way I talk. And, and that's a product of who I've been around in my life because all I do is regurgitate Ron Simmons. Um, but I think those around me see and understand what I bring to the business and, and, and um, the level of the way I look at things. And first of all, I, I got to say, I appreciate you behead for even putting me out there and, and trying to put it out there that I had this great wrestling mind. I, I don't I don't broadcast it because it's not about me. It, it's about those talent that are in the ring. But um, for those who are in the business, know that I know what I'm doing. You, you, They understand it. They can hear the way I speak. They can see the way I put matches together. They know I know what I'm doing. And to me, that's all the accolade I need. I don't need the being propped up by the world. I just need those. I need my colleagues to know that I'm good at what I do. And to me, I'm good with that. If I know it and they know it, then inside your business, you're awesome. You'll be there forever. So, I mean, that's why I look at it. It's, I, 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 I just try to spin down the same information that was given to me and I try to articulate in a way where each individual can understand it. And, and, I, think, and I, I think you do a tremendous job at that though. I mean, I, I really do. And I, and I, and I'm being honest. I mean, I knew you were good. I, 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 I was part of your career. I just never knew when I got to that aspect of it with that gut check. And I just saw and heard what I heard. It was just, like amazing to me. I mean, there's quotes that I use to this day that you abuse, <laughs> and I'm not going to get into those because those are private things. But no. and, and it's okay. RJ, can we fucking have this part two or something? Because I, I, I have so many questions. But anyway, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. Last look, one. Look, 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 our RJ. How about we do this? Let's do a part two and go. Let's do a deep dive. I'm down for it. RJ, if you're down for it, behave, you're down for it. Let's do part two. I, I, I want to, man. I have too much stuff, man. I I, I mean, I keep, I keep thinking I are, in my mind, I'm going, all right, I only have two more. And then now I've got five. Um, so well, you, why don't we do this, Brian? Why don't we, this will be part one next week. Part two is obviously depending on deal your schedule. Obviously um, we can make it happen. I, I would like to get, do that. For you guys, I'll make my schedule work. Let's figure it out. Awesome. But I'm 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 having a great time, uh, and and let's get some more information out there to the 
to to the podcasting community want to hear what we're talking about. Okay, so we'll we'll finish up shop with the last one, and this is so I can put over the company I love to death, the company you work for. Mm-hmm. Who is better than Impact Wrestling right now? Because I can tell you right now, in my opinion, me and RJ talked about this before you got on the show. Nobody puts out a better fucking program, and I don't give a shit. What anybody wants to say, they can say, because you used to work for them. Da, 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 da. Bullshit. I said it before I even got back to you guys. And I talked to you mm-hmm. in length because you are the one that brought me back. And I'll tell everybody that. D'Lo Brown is the reason why I came mm-hmm. back to Impact Wrestling. And it was the biggest and proudest moment of my life because that's where I wanted to end up and be at. And um, that's what exactly what happened. And I'm going to tell you right now, I watch it with my friends. I watch it with family. I watch it by myself. I don't care who I watch it with. It's easy to follow. It's easy to miss a week and come back and know exactly what's mm-hmm. going on. I can tell you right now, I'm not bashing mm-hmm. wrestling. I'm not bashing different companies. But what I'm saying is this. I watch mm-hmm. AEW. I watch WWE. I know supposedly you know WWE is improving. I'm yet to see it. I see little subtle changes. I'm not there yet. AEW is confusing as fuck. Dilo, you don't have to say a word. I'm talking for myself. Nobody can hire me. Nobody can fire me. So fuck them. <laughs> I watch TNA, Impact Wrestling, and it's the easiest and best show on the television that I can watch. And I mean that with all my heart. So all I want you to do is say what you want to say about the company you work for and the one I used to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put it like this. It is part of my job where I have to consume all wrestling around. Okay. I need to watch every company every week all the time. I don't say this because I work for Impact. I don't say this because I'm biased. I say this because I've watched wrestling since I was nine years old. You take away the bells and whistles of pyro or a lit up stage or what have you. And Impact. Man to man, woman to woman has the best product on TV going today. And that is from storyline, that is from work from top to bottom of the card, that is from, you know, continuity. Impact is the best product on TV, and I wish more people were, were watching it and in tune with it. And... And 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 I, I, that, I'll leave it at that. I'm not trying. I'm not trying. This is not a commercial for Impact. It is literally. I do what I do because I believe in the company that I'm working for. I agree. I agree. Well, I only have one more opinion. This is my opinion, and I have to say it. RJ, you're grinning and you're smiling and all that because you know what I'm going to say. And Dilo, <laughs> these are my opinions, and my opinions only. A grander stage would be better for us, meaning Impact mm-hmm. Wrestling. Things are what they are. Um, I was misquoted by Dirt Sheets as saying that of shopping networks is what I was told, and da da da. That's not what I said. Um, all I'm saying is a grander stage would not hurt the product. That's for sure. Um, whether it happens or not, doesn't matter. But I agree totally, 100% with what you're saying. Um, and I've got friends and family, like I said, that watch the product. They love it, man. Um, and I really think that, you know, when people go back and don't think the people that really do what they do, you know, you got, you know, 
the writers for, for, for impact are fucking amazing. And mm -hmm. the agents that carry out these stories are amazing. And the talent is amazing. And everyone works their ass off there. And, and, and it's because I think that it's the little engine that could. And to me, I'd rather watch the little engine that couldn't as opposed to the little engine that could, but still ain't fucking doing it. Not for me as a mm -hmm. viewer. So, you know, I get it. And I'm not hating on anybody. I'm not hating on any program. I'm, I'm just saying it's easier to follow, easier to watch, easier to keep up with. You can miss a week. You miss a week of AEW and you're screwed because you really have no idea. I mean, it, it, it's seriously, it's like that. They move so forward, no, too quick, and uh, it's not storyline derived, in my opinion. And that's just me. But we got part two. I can't wait. I'm out of breath. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let, let's do part two. Yeah, no doubt. Well, that'll be coming up next week. But Dila, thank you so much for uh, you know taking time for us tonight. And uh, no, I'm just thrilled to be here. To be honest with you, I'm just sitting back listening to the stories and. Uh, that mini, mi minivan of love. It's uh, I'll be thinking about that in my freaking dreams tonight for the next probably week. So thanks for that. <laughs> the minivan of love, buddy. There is never going to be another one. I'll tell you that right now. Never, ever. But awesome. uh, RJ, B-Head, thank you for having me on. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, I'm glad we spent this time together, and I'm looking sure. forward to uh, to doing part two. Awesome. Hey, and D-Lo, real quick before we get off, uh, what, what do you want to plug, man? Anything you want to plug? Any any of your upcoming well, dates you still have an impact or your your Twitter or anything? I, I, I would just I'll put it out there. Um just just go check out Impact Wrestling. Um check on the website at impactwrestling.com. Go out there and, and see what's out there. And and if you want to see where I'm doing, where I'm coming and going from, at DLabrown75 on Twitter is where the only place you'll find me because that's my only official um social media. And you'll hear me talk about Chicago Bears football, Liverpool, <laughs> soccer. Um, you'll hear me talk about the world of wrestling. And, hell, you might hear about what I'm cooking that night. So go out there, <laughs> interact, have fun. Let's do this. Hey, good luck with your good luck with your QB. <laughs> Bro, I think Justin Fields is going to be the bomb. I can tell you right now. You're a He'll delusional Chicago Bear fan. It's okay. We could do a whole episode on the Chicago Bears, right? Oh, we'll talk fantasy and everything next episode. We, do, we'll, then, we, we got lots of time. Behab, we'll get into that one. If you if you think Justin Fields is going to be bad, then look, I saw the kid. I saw the kid practice live. I didn't see media. I saw what I saw with my own eyes. The kid's going to be legit. We we, we got remember, part two. Uh, remember the last time I told you about um, uh, Alshon Jeffries, and you didn't believe me. I, all right, you you got on that one. That's cool. All right, yes, you did. Uh, oh, 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 okay, you didn't believe me. <laughs> I didn't believe you, no. We're good. We got part two, bud. <laughs> well, uh, um, um, what happened say, to you? <laughs> just saying. All right, bro. All right, thanks, oh, man. man. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Man, well, that's going to be a first for this show, Brian. We're going to have part two with Mr. D'Lo Brown next week, man. I'm looking forward to that. I know there's going to be even more to unpack next week. Well, I just never got to dig where I wanted to dig, man. Yeah. I was getting there. I was getting there. And yeah. then I just felt question after question after question. So, you know what? It, it, listen, next week's going to be 
so awesome because we're going to dig into some sports too, which I yeah. love to talk about. We're going to get into some fantasy football, more D-Lo career. Yeah. Um, I can't wait. This will be awesome. And I, yeah. I, me, he's a passionate Bear fan, and I'm a passionate – I don't even know what to say. Um, yeah. well. I'm a passionate – I don't know. Uh, don't even want to say it. Washington <laughs> fan. Yeah, there Washington. you go. Okay, there you go. There you go. Washington. They still have a football team, sort of. Um, yeah. Anyways, so – a little couple shout outs this week. You know, first and foremost, I just actually just con- confirmation JD Hoop, we will actually see him in Chicago uh, in a couple weeks. He will be there in Chicago. So we'll be officially be able to meet him. Uh, so big shout out to him. Fantastic graphics each and every week, man. Can't put him over enough. Uh, another guy, AJ McKay, banger of a, I, we keep saying it every week, banger of an intro. Well, Can't by the way, saying, by the way, you 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 tell uh you tell who who's who, who's coming? JD Hoop. He'll be in Chicago. Okay. You, you tell JD Hoop I'm buying his dinner and his beers. There and you, you tell AJ McKay, please come. I'll buy yeah. his too. I there don't you go. There you go. There you go. I'll, I'll message him as soon as I get off right now. Uh before I uh we'll edit this up, I'll I'll message him too because he's getting the graphics over to me as we speak for uh I would love to have week. him there too. Love yeah, to have sure. him. No doubt. Um but then if you head over to uh, castby.com slash reffing it up, uh, all our platforms are on or right there. All the great platforms, uh, podcast platforms, that is, that we're on. Um, social medias are there as well. Brian, uh, you got anything else before we uh, close shop? I got nothing, man. I'm wired up, man. I wish we could have done part two, like right now. But well, um, I, yeah. well unfortunately, we got to go to work. Right? Well, I don't. Well, I do. You don't, but. <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, but yeah, but still. But anyway, no, I, I don't have anything else, man. Just um, at Baby Hebner, at Baby Hebner on Twitter and Instagram. Yep. And then, go, yeah, and then Chicago, September 3rd. I forgot about that. Wrestling Showcase right there in Schaumburg, Illinois. We'll be there. Come say hi. Uh, J.D. Hoop's going to be there. Come say hi to J.D. Hoop, too. He'll be there as well. So the whole family will be there. Uh, thank you so much. Make sure you tune in next week. We'll have part two with D.L. Brown. You're not going to want to miss this. I'm super thrilled about this. Uh, learned stuff about Dilo that I didn't know about before, and I look forward to about that uh, next week. So, thank you. You, you really, you you really like the mini man of love, huh? You like that thing, dude. I I I, uh, I just want to like revitalize that and turn it into a shirt or turn it into you know <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have like those little old school. Uh, uh, like Ninja Turtle toys back in the day with a van. We can make the minivan a love, an actual uh, gimmick as far as, uh, you know, collectibles and stuff. And, you know, why not? <laughs> valuable valuable uh, people in that van. There you go. Awesome. No doubt. No doubt. But, guys, thank you so much for tuning in next week. Tell everybody, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your neighbors, tell everybody to join us right here on Refn It Up next week. One, two, three.